Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon, and today is day 75 of Occupy Wall Street. And to begin with, I would like to thank the following people who either made a direct donation to the salon or who paid for a copy of my Pay What You Can audiobook edition of the novel I wrote, The Genesis Generation. And these generous souls are J-Man, Gary N., Chris P., Brian H., John L., Bartos K., Dwight M., Timothy B., Julian L., Stephen B., Rob J., Mark C., and I also received a generous donation from someone in Michigan who prefers to remain anonymous, and to let you know that uh, youth may fade but never die, (laughs) well, when I received the envelope that contained his check, the first thing that I noticed was return address, and it came from a city where one of my first girlfriends lived during my college years. And for just the briefest of moments, my heart skipped a beat, and I thought that, uh, well, maybe she'd thought better about breaking up with me. <laughs> so, uh, Anon, uh, thanks also for that little skip down memory lane, and uh, for what it's worth, uh, now that about a half a century has passed, well, my heart is healed and no longer broken, so time actually does mend all wounds. Anyway, uh, I'd like to send a huge thank you out to uh, all of you donors who are helping me offset some of the expenses associated with these podcasts. I simply couldn't do it without you. Now, uh, let's get on with creating some new memories. And I mean that quite literally. And I guess I should warn you ahead of time that the introduction I'm about to give for today's speaker is probably way over the top and overly sentimental, but this is something that I've just got this strange feeling about, and I'd be remiss in not passing it along to you. So, uh, if you'll bear with me for a moment, I'd like you to join me for a very brief little trip down memory lane and travel back to May of 1963. I was just then finishing my junior year of college, getting ready to leave for the summer, and one of my roommates bought a vinyl LP titled The Freewheelin' Bob Dylan which had just come out uh, then, uh, and it was just a couple months after the Beatles released their first album. So things were starting to change. At the time, uh, the era that we now think of as the 60s hadn't actually begun. The American War in Vietnam hadn't yet officially been acknowledged, and the Civil Rights Movement was just beginning to take root on a national level. But for the most part, nobody but us young kids listening to the latest music had much of a clue about what was going on under the surface of American life. You know, we didn't have the internet back then. All we had were the record stores where we could go into these little glass booths and listen to a record before we bought it. And so that's where we hung out, and uh, that's where we first heard of Dylan. Now, I don't want to uh, get into a Bob Dylan debate right now, and I'll be the first to admit that old Bob's, uh, well, he's done some strange things as he got older. But back in 1963, back before uh, most of the rest of the country caught on, us college kids were listening to Dylan singing Blown in the Wind and Masters of War. At the time, uh, all we knew was that Dylan's music was resonating with what we'd been talking about long into the night, 
as we gradually became aware that most of what we'd been taught in the classroom was actually nothing but a pack of lies that were very cleverly designed to keep us in line. Unfortunately, before it was all said and done, millions of us wound up being pressed into military service in a war that had no point. Is uh, this starting to sound familiar? And so, now let's snap back into the present and take a look at uh, what's taking place in almost every city, town, and village in the world. And that is what future historians may call the Great Awakening or something like that. Thanks in no small measure to the power we have with the tool called the Internet, a final transition away from feudalism is at long last underway. And like the great sea explorers in ages past, well, we've cast off from the shores with no charts and really no clear plan, but with an unbounded desire to create a safe, harmonious, and loving home for our entire species. And don't worry, I'll get back to my reason for mentioning Dylan in just a minute. But let's be clear about this. At least in my opinion, we have now reached a point, uh, due to environmental degradation and overpopulation, where our species is actually going to have to make a choice between continuing on a path of war and overconsumption, which quite obviously leads only to the complete extinction of our own species, well, it is now up to us to either choose that competitive path or instead to choose a path of global harmony and cooperation. And while the choice seems obvious, it certainly isn't going to be easy to change paths. Now, over the past several days, we saw elections being held in Egypt, and that was a good thing. But if you are following their revolution closely, the second phase has only now just begun, and that's because their country is still 100% controlled by the military, who are basically serving about a thousand or so of the wealthiest families in Egypt. And yet 70% of the people there are still living in poverty. But last January, they rose up and said no more. Now, their path will also be long and treacherous, uh, just as ours will. But together, us humans who are becoming ever more fully awake as to how this world really works, well, together we are going to build a world in which we can all live in peace and harmony and with each of us respecting what, well, maybe we sometimes think of as strange behavior on the part of, well, almost everyone that isn't in our own tribe. And... Uh, Thinking outside the box like that, accepting other people's uh, way of life, that's the essence of what I call psychedelic thinking. In my first podcast in this series, I played a recording of the talk that I gave at the 2001 Mind States Conference, and since then there's been a lot of debate about what psychedelic thinking actually means. As you know, the word psychedelic means mind manifesting or soul manifesting, so psychedelic thinking simply means getting out of your ego self and into your center, your core, the spiritual essence of who you are. And from that point, think about whatever matter is at hand. Recently, uh, I heard a friend say that he thought of the ego as a fiction created by a child. And when I look back at my own behavior, there are certainly times when that was true for me. Trust me, you don't want to be around when little Larry, or worse yet, uh, Haggerty the Horrible, <laughs> when one of those guys takes charge. Uh, and thankfully for my friends and family, I've been able to keep those two fictions at bay most of the time. But enough of my rambling on about uh, psychedelic thinking, Bob Dylan, and a global shift in consciousness. 
Instead, I need to shut up and uh, let you hear a young man who embodies all of that and more for me. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about the Hawaiian singer, Makana. And, uh, hey, Makana, should you ever hear this, uh, I apologize in advance if calling you Makana the Mighty causes you any discomfort. But I mean it quite literally. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, one of my early comic book heroes was Mighty Mouse. And after thinking about Makana and how he got through a $50 million security screen with his Occupy with Aloha t-shirt, and then he sang a very powerful protest song to 20 so-called world leaders in their private little dinner gathering, well, in my opinion, you have to have superpowers to pull something like that off, not to mention super courage, you know, big-time super courage. Now, what I'm going to play right now is the recording of a meeting, uh, a virtual meeting in cyberspace, that is, that was historic. At least that's how I see it. I don't know what it was like the first time Bob Dylan met with some anti-war demonstrators or some civil rights demonstrators, but I do know that in retrospect it would be quite interesting if we could watch a video or hear a recording of those meetings. And what I'm about to play, at least in my opinion, is a meeting that will one day also be considered historic. This meeting, uh, whose audio portion I'm about to play, took place on November 19th of this year, which was just two days after the huge marches that took place all over the country in celebration of the two-month anniversary of the occupation of Zuccotti Park. I just happened to come across it during my scanning of the uh, various video streams coming from some of the Occupy sites that day, and I've been looking for uh, a recording of the entire meeting posted somewhere so that I could, well, I could get a better recording of it for you. But so far I haven't found a trace of it online, and so I'm going to play for you the part that I recorded at the time, which I think captured most of their meeting. Although I missed the beginning of this online meeting, uh, from watching and listening to it, what appears to have taken place is that someone set up a big screen television in a room... Uh, probably somewhere near Zuccotti Park, and invited some of the people who were the very first occupiers of the park to have a video Skype chat with Makana. And as you'll hear, most of them had not yet even had a chance to uh, listen to his powerful song, the one that I played a couple of podcasts ago. Basically, uh, here were five or six people just in from the front lines, and they were meeting with Makana for the first time, while, well, about 700 of us looked in. As you'll hear, the sound quality isn't all that great because, well, it came through a laptop in the conference room that was focused on the big screen TV where we saw Makana in his living room and he was streaming over his own laptop. And so the audio we're about to hear was coming from the speakers on the TV set. Now, while the quality isn't all that great, I think the content is. And outside of the first few minutes of this conversation, uh, along with a short gap in the middle when my computer crashed and I had to reboot and rejoin the feed. Well, what you are now going to hear is a recording of the first meeting of a man who may become to the Occupy movement what Dylan was to the 60s. Uh, and it was a meeting between him and some of the people who inspired not only him, but millions of others of us all over the world. So anyway, around the same time, uh, I had just uh, come from New York. I was in New York in early October, and uh, my best friend got married. And of course, as soon as I got off the plane, I went down to Zuccotti Park, and I met some friends there. And I went down there about three times during my trip, and just talked to a lot of different people. I mean, there were so many different ideas going on and perspectives and different walks of life. And um, 
at that time, I knew I wanted to write a song, but I didn't. It didn't come to me, and I never forced it. It has to just hit me, and then it comes out. So I got home from New York, and I read this article in the New York Times that said the movement lacks a melody, and it was just talking about the history of folk protest music and Woody Guthrie and things like that, and how um, back in the Bush era. Um, there were a lot of anti-war songs that came out, but it was uh, more of uh, a clear topic to write songs about because Bush was an obvious Darth Vader type. He was like the bad cop, and so it was easy to write a song about um, anti-war, but when it came to complex economic issues, it was something that was a little more difficult to put into song that would create an emotional response. So when I read the article, I thought to myself, well, I've been writing on these topics for 10 years, and no one's been listening to me. Maybe this time I'll write another song, and someone will, will hear it, because people are paying attention to the issues uh, because of what you guys are doing. And so I wrote the song in like two hours, and uh, I wanted to make a, a video for it to put on YouTube. So my friend and I got together, and with the help of uh, local public access TV, we got some computers and started editing. The video was released on Saturday, last Saturday, the day that I was to perform at APEC. And that afternoon, I got hundreds of messages um, from friends and fans and calls from family, too, saying, hey, aren't you playing the Obama dinner tonight? You should really play this song. And my first reaction was, you guys are crazy. You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> There's no way I'm playing this song. And uh, But the idea started to grow in my head. And... Um, I met some friends who were in town, and they also suggested it, and I said, look, you know, I'll think about it, but it's not my style. I'm, I, I really respect, and, you know, I want to just share my music and accommodate, even though I had this strong feeling inside of me about these greater life issues. So I went to the dinner, and uh, about halfway through, after playing an hour and so of Hawaiian slacky guitar, I decided to play the song. And... Uh, that moment was such a weird moment because all at the same time I was so elated, I was almost hysterical, but I was absolutely terrified as well because I wasn't sure what was going to happen if somebody actually said, hey, what's this guy saying? <laughs> now, in the dinner, um, it was in a, probably the most secured place on the earth at that moment, and there, was a lot of, there were a lot of layers of security, and... Um, Everybody was really nice, and, and I was really nice to everyone, and I started making friends with people and just playing my Hawaiian music. Uh, so at some point, the, the room with the world leaders was emptied out of staff, and basically it was just them eating and me playing in the room and one Marine. And on the perimeter, there were a lot of Secret Service. Um, so I, I figured, you know, now's a good time to do it. So I started playing the song very softly, and... Uh, at first, I sang the first line, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm in trouble. Or, oh, no. <laughs> and then I went on. And so how the, how the room was organized was there were, there were four, four tables. There were about 40 people there. So it was a 10-top, 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 and 10-top. And in the far corner were the Obamas. And uh, there was a running joke going on with the sound guy and I that was like, if you're not at the table, you're on the plate. Because I guess the most uh, uh, important economies to what he wanted to achieve were sitting with him, and the rest of the smaller concerns were on other tables. That was my personal interpretation. Um, 
But they were kind of sitting around not talking, uh, and it was quite uncomfortable. So they started paying attention to me. Uh, so that's when I started to get these uh, funny looks where people were, because they were circular, some people had their backs to me, and they would just turn around really quick. <laughs> and uh, give me a funny look, and I didn't have my glasses on, so it's hard to interpret if they, it was a look of like, yeah, you're great, or what the hell are you saying? <laughs> but more and more, uh, people would kind of turn around and look. And the magic of the situation was that the protocol couldn't be broken by anyone unless someone first broke it. So because I didn't come out and say, hey, everybody, listen to me, you need to hear this, and interrupt them, which I've been hauled out at, you know, best case scenario, just hauled out. I decided to not break the protocol, but just bend the protocol enough where I was able to constantly, subliminally keep singing these words for a very long period of time. And the last line of my song, We Are the Many, says, um, the bidding of the many, not the few. And when I got the courage, I went into an extended version of it, and I kept saying that over and over like a mantra. And it became, it was, uh, I mean, I'll never forget it. It, it was very empowering, and yet it was very surreal, like somebody doing a movie and they're going to say, cut, okay, that was cool, you know. <laughs> uh, so, and it, and it was also difficult because I wanted everyone, all my friends to be watching, going, are you seeing this, are you seeing this, and it was just me and my guitar tech, and the sound guy, I think, who doesn't work for me, he worked for, for the organization that hired him, he saw when I pulled open my shirt and revealed the Occupy with Aloha, and he kind of looked at me and he was like, Oh boy. <laughs> and it was cool, and I just looked at him, I was like, I gave him that look, like, we didn't say anything, but I gave him that look like, don't worry, dude, I'm not going to do anything crazy, you just, you just relax. <laughs> and then, uh, so I had my shirt open, though, and, and every time a staffer would walk in to kind of see what was going on, I would, like, face the other way and things. <laughs> so, but I, I think what was so hysterical about it and, and timeless about it was that it's all about human behavior. I mean, this whole war that we're fighting is a war of consciousness versus ignorance, of controlling human behavior by controlling people's thoughts, by directing their awareness. And it was a demonstration of that in the dinner where the so-called world leaders who knew what I was saying were unable to speak up because the dinner was hosted by the president of America and they had no right to say anything about the so-called entertainment. For all they know, he wanted me to say that, which of course he didn't. And the beauty, beauty of it was is that he was engaged in conversation the entire time and the rest of them weren't. So I don't know how it all lined up on the weekend of 11-11-11 and all of these things came together and the song came out that day and everything. There was definitely a potentiality of it to go in any direction, but the beautiful uh, ending to the story is that it has seemed to inspire people worldwide, and we've received thousands of messages from almost every country where people are sharing that, not about the political message so much as that I was able to be an example of facing my own fear to say what I felt was right in my heart in a context that otherwise I might not have if I decided to silence myself because I was worried about my status or my position or someone else's reaction. And I think there's always going to be disagreements as to what solutions are and even what the problem is. But 
if people in their own personal process start to face their own fear and let go of the prison that they are in, and that prison is the concern about what someone else thinks of them. Yeah. If they get over that, then they can be free, and then it's up to them to facilitate the change they want to see. But we have to at least help them to get to that point, and that's what I try to do with my music. I'm going to tune up for another song. and that sort of thing. And uh, it's, it's a style that has kind of gone into a slumber and, and uh, I've always honored these people. So that's the style I wrote the song in. And uh, here it is. It's called We Are The Men. Oh, and this is the song I sang for 45 minutes of the Inca. <laughs> Come here, gather round the stage. The time has come for us to voice our rage against the ones who trapped us in a cage to steal from us the value of our wage from underneath the vestiture of law. The lobbyists at Washington do not. At liberty, the bureaucrats can fall. And until they are finished, we won't withdraw. We'll occupy the streets. We'll occupy the ports. We'll occupy the offices of you till you do. Our nation was built upon the rights of every person to improve their plight. For the laws of this republic, they be right. And now you own everything in sight. We own it free of liability. We own that they are not like you and me. Their influence dictates legality. And until they are stopped, we are not free. We'll occupy the streets, we'll occupy the ports, we'll occupy the offices of you, till you do. 
I will keep playing it. I will keep playing it. You know, sometimes people criticize 
Um, those who protest. I mean, this goes back for generations. And they, they say things like, my favorite one that they say is, this has costed cities enough money already. Everyone should go and get a job and work like the rest of us. I, I mean, when somebody says something like that, do you know what my response is? I stop arguing with them. And from my heart, I genuinely uplift them because I know even though that they're misinformed, they're, they're also caring. They just don't understand the overall situation because there's so much disinformation. And my point is, is that the only way we can bring about a revolution of freedom is through a revolution of perception. So when people are judging or against or locked in their mindset from a social psychology perspective, we can't engage them in argument. Because now they have something at risk if they're proven wrong. Yeah, they're going to lose face. That's a human nature. So, on Facebook earlier this morning, somebody was justifying that wonderful woman who's over 80 years old who got sprayed in the face with pepper spray, and they were saying, this is funny. And about 30 of my friends jumped on that person. When somebody says this is funny, what I interpret it as is they're very, very out of touch with the actuality and they've developed a mythology in their mind. So they're not my enemy. They're the person I want to focus my love on. They're the person I want to sing to. They're the person I want to include and not make them the enemy. And just like when I had to go on Sean Hannity the other day, he tried to polarize me into one camp. And I refused to be polarized because no matter how many times they change the faces using elections, the same problems are going on because the funding comes from the same source. Yeah. So my dream is for this to include everyone because by default, we are representing everyone. We are representing things that are affecting every single person. And I always speak for myself. I will never speak for anyone else because the movement is made up of individuals with their own thought process and that needs to be respected and, and I'm amazed at, at how everyone involved I've been watching uh, has created a system that allows for people to voice themselves. It's, it's incredible. And, um, but for me, my perspective is that when we talk about the many and the few or the 99% and the 1%, it's important to clarify what we mean. And personally, my view and with my song is that it's not a, a competition for, of, of people who have versus who don't have. I have many friends who are very wealthy who acquired their wealth through honest transactions. I don't feel to divide people further by creating a sense of um, polarization. What I'd like to clarify for people is that there is a very, 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 very small elite group of people who control the money supply and control the policies. And these are the people that this is about because what they do is they legalize criminal activity and then they have a monopoly on the military and on force to enforce it and that's why you know what what everyone is going through in the camps is is they're pitting the people like us who have families to feed and, and have bills to pay and have mortgages these common people are being pitted against other common people and it's a divide and conquer tactic and it needs to end and it needs to be peaceful and, and what you guys have been doing from my perspective is incredible I mean it takes such a risk and a self-sacrifice. I mean, if you get arrested, it's on your record. I mean, there's so many sacrifices being made by so many people, and 
to marginalize that is incredibly insensitive and un-American. So mahalo for what you guys are doing. I think it's it, it's a reflection of how much you care. And all you know, my my ability is to write songs and inspire people. So if that can help, I'm happy to be of service. Thank you. Thank you. Another song? Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is a song um, I wrote many years ago, uh, and it basically addresses the, the zeitgeist of what's occurring today. It's a song called In the Land of the Free. And it's funny you hear that, you know, we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. And you have to ask yourself, is that statement reflective of our actions? And so I wrote this song to co-op back those terms from the establishment. In the land of the free. You hear the guitar okay? Feeling it run through my veins Shutting down five of my senses I'm using the one that remains Newspaper headlines are chilling Tearing the talk of the time Coast into trading our freedom In a nebulous war against crime I've been fed for so long someone's idea of what's right but it feels wrong in the land of the free infotainment is deception all the channels agree There can be just one perception In the home of the brave Descent is marked and shining In the speed of speed We the people are divided Work harder for the same money Money that can't make ends meet. Neighbor next door got laid off his job. The family moved from our street. I've been bled by the game. Working class slipping away. They want us to believe in their slow and self-denial. 
Secret from all I've been held for so long. Still, I have never been told what I've done wrong. In the land of the free, be the people. They want you to believe in their slogans of denial. Rumble of the brain, you can see that fear is brewing. You have better behave, cause you're watching what you're doing. It's a heavy song, you know, it's weird at the end, you know, you don't know if you want to clap or not. <laughs> so, so Magana, you've got us in here, this small group, but you've got a couple thousand others on live stream watching. Awesome. So we want to shout out to them too. Well, any time out of your day, I really appreciate it. Feeling? Doing good. Oh, really good. Really good. Uh, anything you want to talk about, or will I tune for the next song? Well, a Amy, who was just here and had to go, she had a question for you. Sure. The question was, how did Obama respond to your songs, your music? Or the answer is he didn't. He had no response. He personally had no response. So he was listening. He, he was just engaging conversation or wasn't listening? Well, the magic of the situation is that if he had a response, I would not have been able to do what I did. So, again, the protocol is such that I wasn't in their mind, so I don't know what they were thinking. I know that there were conversations going on and then there weren't. You know, it was a dinner. But it would have been quite uh, a scene to have me stop playing. And I was singing in such a way that it wasn't aggressive, it was very beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I delivered it in a way that wasn't offensive musically. So that it would be a break of protocol for them to stop me and say, hey, you know, I could always say, I'm just playing music. Yeah. And so his reaction, I think, comes more now. His reaction, what's, what's more important about his reaction is that no matter if they spend $50 million to keep the voice of the people out of the negotiations that shape the lives of the people, no matter if they spend $700,000, $700, pardon me, on non-lethal weaponry, 
in Hawaii. In Hawaii, hello. You know, no matter what they try to do to keep us out of these negotiations, we can't be kept out. We cannot be kept out. Because I'm one of millions. There are millions of people like me that care about their own futures and will say something. Do you guys use the spirit fingers in Honolulu? Do you know what we're doing right now? Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been down to Occupy Honolulu, right? I have. What did you think? We usually do Shaka. I mean, it's a little different, but. <laughs> how, how, is it, how is it going down there, and how is it compared to Liberty Square in New York? Well, the big issue right now is the city council is um, uh, coincidentally. Passing, uh, attempting to pass a bill that um, reclassifies certain parts of the sidewalk. Oh, huh. What? What? Yeah. Um, well, the sad, for me personally, the saddest part about APEC was that the homeless families have already been marginalized and constantly uh, put here and put there, and it, it it's politicians saving face. And I felt I felt such a personal disgust that on one hand the media is saying, you know, we want to show the world that we live aloha, and then they're sweeping the homeless aside. That is the antithesis of aloha, the antithesis. Aloha isn't about representing yourself in a way that people will like you. Aloha is about valuing the well-being of the other person because you realize that you're interconnected to them by the nature of life. That's the my interpretation of aloha. That was not reflected in the president's bringing APEC to Hawaii. So now, uh, in regard to both the homeless issue and control over my art, and at that time, my passion was purely traditional Hawaiian music because I had been blessed enough to learn from some of the old-time masters who have now passed away. So my concern was to um, honor my community and honor my teachers because they had handed me something that is a community... Um, treasure chest of art. It's a traditional art form. And when I said that to the companies, they laughed and they said, yeah, but, you know, that kind of music doesn't sell. And so they were they were honest with me, and so I was really happy and thankful for that. But I told them, no, thank you, this isn't for me. And so I struggled for many years, and I still do to get my music out there. But when I go to do a show, I get to sing what's in my heart, and I'm never ripping off the audience. And um, it's really important that we start to realize that our capital comes from having access to more integrity yeah. and and not having the fear to follow that because when you follow that there's this unseen thing that starts to support everything that goes on it's really really magical so you know for musicians like I've, I've in the past week I've received letters from Harlow Guthrie and message from Bonnie Raitt, and oh, nice. uh, Bill Kreutzmann, the Grateful Dead drummer, was at my show last night, and he pledged his support uh, for what we're doing. And you have, another, um, you have another fan, too, today. I spoke on the phone this morning with Joan Baez. Wow. And she sends you her love and thanks you for what you're doing. That's awesome. <laughs> she's, she's in California. She's so amazing. Yeah. She wishes I, she could be here. I feel her presence. I just, I know this sounds kind of silly, but for years I've been thinking to myself, it's the musician's fault why things are so fucked up. 
because they have been programming people to not care for so many years now. And, and hopefully musicians will start to not be afraid to say what they really want to say. Because music does something to you. It hits your emotions. And it goes right past that part of your brain that controls you. And, and the more musicians start to do this and really do it, not people jumping on the bandwagon trying to get attention from the sacrifices of millions of people, but people who truly take time to understand what's going on and sing about it because they know that their lives depend on it. Their livelihood depends on it and their family's lives depend on it. And it's so urgent right now. We can sit here on live stream and in our homes and watch and listen, but in a very short time we may not have this uh, opportunity. It's really, really important. I mean, the internet's under attack. There are so many things that are going on right now. It's so urgent that people get off their okolids and start <laughs> standing what they want. So urgent. Yes. Um, I, really, I really appreciate what, um, what you've been saying about, I don't have much to add to it, but you've articulated beautifully the importance of inclusivity and the importance of rather than alienating each other further and this divide and conquer tactic um, the importance of really overcoming that by coming together and treating each other no matter who we are no matter how different our opinions and our perspectives treating each other with love and using that as our narrative I think that's something that we all need to adopt to a much greater level um, because that's that's where the change is actually going to occur because otherwise we just perpetuate the same fighting mentality and the same, um, you know, it's what it's what has gotten us into the position that we're in today and we can't fight the problem with the same thing that got us in the problem. Um, and I just, I really appreciate you saying that because that narrative needs to spread and you, you say it beautifully. Mahalo. I believe in it. I believe in it. And... I mean, I, you know, this week was an interesting learning experience for me. I mean, after Sunday, when I went on CNN and then the news just started coming and coming, um, I had never been through an experience like that. And uh, it was very, I mean, it was, it was scary for me. You know, I, I couldn't eat properly. It was hard for me to sleep. Um, I was getting th thousands of messages. And... Most of them, 99% of them, were extremely supportive. And, I mean, I, I, I won't quote them. They were just beyond what I would ever imagine. And part of them were not. Part of them were severe attacks and, and threats and people pretending to be uh, coming from the State Department or the White House. And, and, you know, we checked into it, and it wasn't them. It was just people pranking me. And uh, We got your back and, anyway. Yeah. What's that? You're, you're in the 99% now, so you've got your back. <laughs> right on, thanks. Um, but one person wrote me a letter and he basically said, you know, um, you guys just want a bunch of free handouts and this and that, and you know, you should just go back home and blah. And I wrote him back and I said, look, nowhere in my song do I ask for free handouts. And you'll never hear, hear me ask for free handouts from anyone else who's worked on my behalf. So, you know, before you go misjudging about what people are saying, you know, I just want you to listen to the actual words and not what the media has said. And I said, thank you so much for taking time to share your opinion. I really appreciate what you shared with me. And he wrote back, and he wrote back, wow, you actually responded. Thanks for writing a song that represents 
the feelings of so many people, and that was it. That's beautiful. Wow. wow. That's where the difference is going to occur. And then, and then I got a letter um, uh, when, you guys don't know who Sean Hannity is? Yeah. I know, yeah. So I didn't know until the night before, because I don't, I don't have a TV. Well, I have a TV in the house, but it's only hooked up to watch movies. That's it. We don't have cable or anything. So, so, so the night before, I got a, I got a message from uh, a Mr. Randall, who is the father of one of my, my longest time supporters and friends, Mark Randall, who is a beautiful guy. He's, he's in the military. Um, he's been a supporter of my music since I was a teenager. Really awesome guy. He's got such beautiful heart. And he said, hey, Makana, here's a message from my dad. I just want to forward it to you. The message was so beautiful. And, and basically he said, you know, I'm a, I'm a conservative Republican. And until I saw your video of what you did at the APEC dinner, uh, or upon seeing your video of what you did at the APEC dinner, for the first time I understand what Occupy Wall Street is all about. And that, that is my goal. I'm, this is not a partisan thing. Occupy Wall Street includes all sides already. Millions of people from both sides. But when we realize that there are no sides, that there is only corruption and deceit and truth, then, and, and that's, that's what brings me the greatest joy, is that when we can transcend this illusion that we are so different from each other, then we become powerful. So this song uh, was co-written by myself and my friend Evan Tector, and uh, I will hopefully try to remember all the words. It's it's a song that is a true story um, about four different people from around the world, and the chorus says, driven by this power, can you see? All I ever wanted was to be free. And then the question, what is it that drives society? was clean a hundred generations. The village would fog all that we needed, a self-sufficient nation. Then foreigners came, lusting for oil. They paid an on the government to displace our tribe. We fought as we could against rockets and bombs. Fled to the forest so many times. To leave behind in America where justice is blind. Small jobs abound, I use cars with gas. I try to forget my homeland and no one ever asked. Driven by this power, can you see? All I ever wanted was to be free. I wake before dawn. In my one-room house, my family's still asleep. To the border I hitch, cars line up for miles. Moving forward at a creep. On a good 
tempting, I'm a cost by eight. Lost takes half of my pay if I'm a minute late. The factory churns out goods I can't afford. But my peace is renewed, I pray to the Lord. Why must I go back? The cash I sent home will make a black family's laugh. The hell of that bother is inequality. Spreads deeper and deeper into each society. Driven by the spark, can you see? All we ever wanted was to be free. I did okay in high school, I was taught to fit in, that life is just like sports. My parents brought me into a top business college, I make friends on courses and courts. Now my life is the corporation, profits are high, competition fierce, accountancy is tricky. We avoid liability, but corporate veil is hard to pierce. But I wonder who benefits, does ability make it right? We pull the strings around and blow the economic skin goes might. I can't fight that hand as long as it feeds me. We're all just come to the side. I embrace complacency. Driven by this power, can you see? When I was only seven, I had to learn survival games. I didn't know who played the rules. Had to dig in the dump and bathe in the streets. Ever since they closed down my school, my mommy had no food. After daddy stepped in a mine, from years of malnutrition, my body ran out of time. Why can't the land grow food? Why can't we use what isn't being used? Who were the rich men and where did they come from? Do they know we needed food, not guns? Driven by this power, can you see? Only the wanted was to be. Driven by this power, can you see? All we ever wanted to be, to be Peter, do some bark, so we can be in 
Where do we get that song? I need to make it. <laughs> what, I actually, what I'd really like to do is have uh, four different people, myself and three other singers, each person sing one of the verses and have someone create a video, like a, an animation around it, to demonstrate that um, the story of what drives us, subliminally, what drives us through our day. Through our lives. Oh, sorry, guys. You're good, you're good. I'm still here. You're still here. <laughs> oh, I'm still here. Anything you guys feel like bringing up or any questions? Questions, questions. Did you study psychology? Um, I, I haven't gone to college and taken any classes. Uh, one of my favorite books is called Influence. Really, really like that book. Uh, my first introduction to psychology was when Peter Gabriel recorded a song called Milgrams 37. Then mm -hmm. I was like, what is that? So I looked it up. But I feel that in, in the process of what we're attempting to facilitate, to consider how people orient themselves to these issues is of utmost importance, not just to present the issues, but to, to really know how to get inside and behind the barriers that have been put in place there by a system, that uh, an education system and a media that works to create an unthinking workforce and, and people that don't challenge authority and status quo. So I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of uh, understanding how nature works. Mm -hmm. Could the open mic be somehow incorporated in the rendition of the song? Say again? People's mic, sorry. We're trying to think about how we can combine music and the people's mic. <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure. Well, uh, I'll work on something. I think the best way to do it is uh, short ver uh, lines, not long, complex words yeah. that roll off the tongue. I mean, the chorus is simple, you know, for we are the many, we'll occupy the streets, and then they, everybody could sing a, an, a, a, an opposite line, like one person sings a line, yeah. and they sing a line, maybe, or you could divide the crowd into parts where... It was like a choir, you know, I mean, that's how choirs work. You know, you have one part of the crowd singing this line, one part of the crowd singing that line. I mean, it's... Yeah. I've actually been contacted by choirs who are rearranging the song now. Mm. It's totally possible. Uh, so, uh, I wish you had been with us on September 17th, when we took the park. That was a really I, glorious day. I would have liked to be there, but I may be able to, to come visit you folks soon. Good. Yes, please do. Please, please, please. I, uh, I, um, I played uh, for my friend's travel agency last year for Christmas, and he offered me a free round trip flight anywhere that I have to use before the end of the year. <laughs> so, well, so utilizing it to come to New York. Well, maybe we can one-up the White House and actually try to cover some of their expenses, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not, uh, we're not like that. We handle our, our books a little better, I think. <laughs> do, they, do they give any um, rationale for why they don't fund uh, their musical guests? Well, you know, 
No, they don't. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> the budget is for work. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't really uh, concerned with that. But what did personally bother me was that I was there for six hours in a very secure area with no food, and they said they would feed me. But small sacrifice. They small sacrifice. They feed you. Oh. They feed you. Oh. They feed you. That's insane. Question authority. Yes. That's right. No. Do you know, Ramana, there was um, one of our, I think our first big supporter was a musician. Do you know, have you heard of Lupe Fiasco? Oh, totally. He's, yeah. he's cool. He was like the first sort of big name to, to get behind us. In a big way. He actually donated the tents that we put awesome. up on the, on the third day. And the third awesome. day we put up these tents. And then they beat us down and stole our tents and our tarps. Uh, and we were going to actually donate those tents. Like Lupe said, I'm giving you these tents, but when you're done with them, we have to donate them to the homeless. And the NYPD mm. took them and won't give them back. Mm. But he was, he was really behind us from the start. And on the first day, on September 17th, our first kickoff event was the New York Fun Exchange. And we had music, and we had you know, artists, and stilt walkers, and all these things. It was really beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, really kicked well, it off in person. Well, community is the answer to everything, in my opinion. Community is uh, the decentralization of authority. It's, it's, it's a structure that is sensitive to the needs. Now, if you look back to the history of Hawaii, um, and it's a long history, but oftentimes we look at the history of Hawaii as a chief system that was very violent. There were a lot of wars. But prior to that, there were uh, many generations where there was no weapon making in Hawaii, and everything was ruled by something called the Aha Council. The Aha Council was ruled in different districts. Each district had an Aha Council, from my understanding. And the Aha Councils uh, would bring to the table issues that were of conflict or of uh, influence over the decisions made that would affect the community through a process called Ho'oponopono. Pono Pono is uh, based on the word Pono, and the word Pono, uh, although after the missionaries arrived, they translated it as righteousness. Righteousness is a, a, a subjective term. The term Pono, in my definition, means balance, homeostasis, that which nature always strives to achieve through its natural processes. So through the term Pono, you have Ho'oponopono, Pono, which is the coming together through discussions to bring about balance in the community. Um, it may not seem like a futuristic idea or something that involves a lot of technology, or it may seem like, wow, I might have to be involved in my own governance. Well, you better get involved if you want to be represented. There is a, another example that I, I recommend this book to people. It's a, a story by Starhawk. It's called The Fifth Sacred Thing. It's one of my favorite stories. And it, it talks about post-apocalyptic California. We're in L.A. They've uh, really... Uh, gone away from the vision that we have and gone into a highly militarized society where uh, only the super rich have lawns and grass and everyone else is dying of starvation. And in San Francisco, they've completely let go of this system and they've created a matriarchal society where everyone serves in the community and all of the resources that are necessary for life, fire, air, earth, and water are available to the community through public works management. And they talk about the point when the army comes up from L.A. 
and it tries to come and take over San Francisco, and San Francisco doesn't have a military at that point. And it's really amazing because what she says in the book is such a profound thing. You know, how do you stop an army? Well, you have to look at them as individuals, and the individuals in that army who are working against the people that they are among, that they are one of, have to realize that the decisions haven't already been made. You decide to pick up the gun. You decide to pick up the baton. You decide to do all these things. No order makes you hit a civilian. No order makes you strike someone. You have to make a decision as a thinking individual to attack another human being who is unarmed and standing there exercising their amendment. So it's a choice. And the way that people are ruled is that they are told all the decisions have been made. You just carry it out and we will make sure that you are paid so that you can survive. That's not freedom. That's not a free society. That's blackmail. And our police forces and our militaries are blackmailed. And the individuals that comprise them are making huge sacrifices trying to survive. And they're being blackmailed to attack the people that they should be protecting. So... In this, in this book, it, it has a really amazing scenario. Once again, it's called Star, it's Starhawk and it's called The Fifth Sacred Thing. But again, referring back to what we were talking about, you know, this country needs a big ho'oponopono right now. And the only way it's going to come about is for us to realize that, again, there are a tiny select group of people pulling a divide and conquer on us and trying to get us to fight amongst ourselves. And we can't allow that to happen. There's a song called Redirection. If you listen to the earth, you will find there are two kinds of people who dwell in this time. Those who choose to be free. choose to control you and me. You can quiet your mind for a moment. Breathe in the sounds of the earth, the sky. Let your perspective be forgotten. Allow yourself to wonder why. Of your soul, let it all go. Let it go. I had listened to the earth, but I found.
I think I'd like to share one more song before um, I go eat because I'm starving. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go visit my, my friend Dave's. Uh, he's, he started a farm here, so I'm going to go visit that and then I'm going to go do a sound check. Um, but uh, I'm going to move the computer over to the piano and try to see if I can play this little ditty for you. And uh, while I do that, Is there anything else um, we'd like to bring up in the dialogue? Just, we have a request to be able to take a picture with you at the end. So don't move after the song. That could be challenging, okay. <laughs> um, also, for those of you out there who haven't seen our music video yet of the song that is in support of this movement and of people's rights, uh, it's called We Are the Many. And if you go on YouTube uh, and put in my name, Makana, M-A-K-A-N-A, and the title, We Are the Many, um, you will be able to hear it. And underneath the video, there's a free download of the song. Um, we've offered it for free to everyone. And we've had a lot of emails, I mean hundreds of emails from different um, OWS camps around the country and uh, in Spain and Peru, Argentina, Amsterdam, uh, Japan, Russia, and uh, people are starting to sing the song. So uh, we've been asked a lot uh, for a chord chart. And my guitar tech, who I'd also like to rec recognize uh, for a moment, someone who um, did a lot to inspire people, he was, his name's Budgie, and he's been my guitar tech for about 15 years. And he's the one who videoed me playing the song at the dinner at APEC. So yay, Budgie. Thanks for risking your okole and uh, <laughs> capturing the video when other phones were being uh, confiscated. But yeah, check it out. YouTube, We Are The Many, Makana. And uh, Dave, can you give me an outfit? So, wait, sorry, I, I missed that. The video on YouTube is the one from the dinner? There's two videos on YouTube. Uh, if you go to YouTube, slash Makana videos. You can see both of them. One of them is a video called Occupy with Oha, and that uh, has footage from the dinner and talks about what happened. And then the song that has been inspiring a lot of people is called We Are the Many, and you can search for that on YouTube. We Are the Many Makana. I think I should probably ask if anybody on the live stream has questions because there's lots Me? more of them. Sure. Yeah, there's sure. There's many more of them than there are of us. So, so does anyone out there have any questions for Makana? We will, we will relay that to, to him and see if we can get some questions answered. So please, if you have any questions for Makana, ask them now in the chat. There's so many thousands of artists. Do you have a way of uh, um, reading their questions out? Yep, just one second. I'm going to see if some come through right now. Coming in right now. Wait one second. Okay, great. <laughs> How many do we have watching right now? Anyway, About 700. Uh, 700 on Occupy NYC, and then do we get onto Global too? I can't see it right now, so I'm not sure. I think There's so, though. 700 more eyes on this record. You mean one eye Cyclops people or 1,400 eyes? <laughs> <laughs> good point, good point. So they're asking. They're asking. They're asking where does he perform and does he have any tour plans for the mainland? 
Um, all of the information that we will put up for live performances is at makanamusic.com, M-A-K-A-N-A music.com. And I don't have a tour currently planned. Um, I'm working on recording music. I'm an independent artist. I don't have a label behind me. Um, so it's a little more challenging for us to uh, get things organized like that. But um, our intention is to get out on tour and uh, inspire and record a lot of the songs that I played for you folks today. Um, so that's all going to be happening in the next few months. And if anyone has any connections or links to help to get me out there to play for them, just email us at the website. And, um, you know, I'm just here to share my music. I'm very, you know, I'm very blessed to be able to have a career of playing traditional Hawaiian music and contemporary Hawaiian music. And uh, the people of Hawaii and around the world have supported me in that music. And uh, I will continue to play my Hawaiian music. It's, it's my passion. Um, but at the forefront of my creativity right now are songs that are relevant to what is going on in society. And one of my biggest inspirations was Thomas Mokfuno, who is a freedom singer from Zimbabwe. And he said, you know, we as musicians have a responsibility to sing about what is going on in the lives of the people. And uh, so that's my mission right now. So just lots of lots of people saying that they're very inspired by the things that you're saying. Uh, you're a poet warrior. And uh, also wondering if you've considered crowdfunding for a tour. Oh, sure. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That would be great. Um, I'll uh, talk to my friends and see if we can, uh, I guess, go to one of those, you go to a website or something and put that up. So, um yeah, I mean, we should work with you. We should sure. work with you to, to, yeah. to get a tour going. We're trying to Wheels get a whole bunch of artists and support to do like a solidarity tour around different occupations, at least the ones that haven't been torn apart. You know? Right. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up was that uh, we're blessed with perfect climate here 24 7, 365 days a year in Hawaii, but. It is not the case uh, in many other places, and we're entering winter in the Northern Hemisphere. And I don't want people to get discouraged or think that, um, uh, you know, the movement is slowing down. And so, you know, one of the things I tell people is, first of all, the, the, the camps are physical representations of a movement that is much bigger than the camp. Just like you guys said to me, you know, were there only a few people sitting in this room, but there are many more people involved right now. And, and so I was just having a thought, maybe we can talk about it later, but what if we, um, I don't know, in my mind I see this town hall kind of thing happening. I've always wanted more of a town hall thing where we had music and dialogues and rallies in big town halls that were indoors so people weren't freezing. And we could create events like that maybe around the country. I don't know what do you guys think about that idea. This is a song that I'm working on, and and, uh, and, and I'm just going to play you a part of it. I'm a, a very beginner piano player, but I write on the piano, and it's called Play It Again, Sam. And Sam, of course, you know, there's the reference to the classic Casablanca film, but also Sam as Uncle Sam. And a song about what a lot of people are going through right now is struggling with the loss of their ability to achieve what has always been considered the American dream. 
So I'm going to play this for you. It's called Played Against Sam. And a couple of the keys on the piano are missing, so I'll do my best. Can you hear the piano okay? Yes. Photographer wants to get a picture, so I guess we should all yeah, come up. You, you stand there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Close to the monitor, your face is close to the monitor on the monitor. Okay, take this. <laughs> Alright, yeah, I don't try at all. Okay, uh, your, your head, uh, my kind of little higher. There you go. Okay, guys. One, two, one more. Alright. Thank you. Wow. Right on, man. Thank you, Makana. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks all, you guys. Love you. Appreciate Thank you so it. much, Let's everyone who's tuning in. Yes. You were just watching Makana playing live from Honolulu, Aloha. Hawaii. Makana is the songwriter of the song that he played at the APEC conference in Hawaii. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. We Are The Many is the name of that song. Check out makanamusic.com for more information about Makana. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to take a short break and should be back with more live content soon. Time is 6.48 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You are watching Occupy NYC. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah.
That was, that was a nice sound. Sorry about that. that Have a great night, folks. <laughs> You're listening to the Psychedelic Salon, where people are changing their lives one thought at a time. Well, there's certainly a lot more that I'd like to talk about right now, but I'm going to have to save that for the next time. What I am going to do right now, however, is to play a brief statement that Deepak Chopra made at Occupy Los Angeles just a few days before a mercenary army of over 1,400 well-trained military stormtroopers swooped down on, well, about 200 peaceful protesters and locked them up for exercising what in the days of old were called their First Amendment rights. And, of course, these uh, military-style battles are now taking place almost daily in cities big and small all over the world, as the people of the world are finally beginning to rise up and cast off their chains of debt and discouragement, and at long last uh, begin to retake this planet back from those few wealthy families who have been keeping their boots on the necks of us working people for far too long now. So now here are a few comments by Deepak Chopra. So, first of all, I do not come here to give counsel. I just want to share some ideas with humility and Hopefully with some creativity. So the first thing is the Occupy movement is unstoppable. It's it's like a child that has been born. Cannot return to the womb. So it is unstoppable. But a child is fragile and has to be nurtured with love and caring. There is moral outrage at social, economic, political injustice. But remember that the word outrage, even moral outrage, is still rage. And we understand consciousness, we do not want to engage in more rage in the consciousness. No problem will be solved at the level of consciousness at which it was created. So remember, what do we want? We want social justice. We want economic justice. Political justice, sustainability, peace, health and well-being, happiness. Let's not forget that outcome. 
Let's not forget that outcome. And as long as we keep that in our consciousness, and as long as we keep that in our consciousness, then the love that is here, then the love that is here, and the action that is motivated, and the action that is motivated by that love, by that love, will achieve the outcome. Love without action, love without action is, meaningless. is meaningless. And action without love, action without love is, irrelevant. is irrelevant. What we are starting, we are starting with, the Occupy movement, with the Occupy movement is a movement, is a movement of, love in action. of love in action. So just keep that in mind. So if next week they evict us, next week they evict us, move somewhere else close by, and occupy. And if they and if they come there and evict us, move again and occupy. Keep moving and keep occupying. And let us also occupy ourselves. That's our next stage. Occupy yourself. Occupy yourself. We are the hundred percent. Love in action. Thank you. Love you. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. And let's go out listening one more time to Makana's anthem, We Are the Many. Come here, gather round the stage. The time has come for us to voice our rage. Against the ones who've trapped us in a cage To steal from us the value of our wage From underneath the vestiture of law The lobbyists at Washington do not At liberty the bureaucrats guffaw and until they are purged, we won't withdraw. We'll occupy the streets. We'll occupy the courts. We'll occupy the offices of you till you do. The bidding of the many, not the few. Our nation was built upon the right Of every person to improve their plight The laws of this republic they rewrite And now a few own everything in sight They own it free of liability they own, but they are not like you and me. Their influence dictates legality. 
And until they are stopped, we are not free. We'll occupy the streets, we'll occupy the courts, we'll occupy the offices of you till you do. The bidding of the many, not the few. Force your monopolies with guns While sacrificing our daughters and sons But certain things belong to everyone Your thievery has left the people none So take heed of our notice to redress we have little to lose, we must confess Your empty words to leave us unimpressed A growing number join us in protest We occupy the streets, we occupy the courts We occupy the offices of you till you do Bidding of the many, not the few. You can't divide us into sides, and from our gaze you cannot hide. Denial serves to amplify. And our allegiance you can't buy Our government is not for sale The banks do not deserve a bail We will not reward those who fail We'll not move till we prevail We'll occupy the streets We'll occupy the courts We'll occupy the offices of you Till you do The bidding of the many, not the few We'll occupy the streets We'll occupy the courts We'll occupy the offices of you Till you do Bidding of the many, not the few We are the many You are the few